All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This week, I am joined by Jeremy Martin of X-Ring Custom Arrows. We sat down at the Great American Outdoor Show to talk about arrow building. Jeremy has a ton of experience building arrow shafts, and he actually helps Exodus out building some of the MMT orders. So it was nice to talk to him about his experience building arrows, some of the mistakes he's made along the way. And I wanted to focus the conversation kind of around what he sees consumers doing wrong when they come to him asking for arrows like for instance if they want a certain arrow length and he's going to steer them a different way or just some of the common misconceptions that folks have when asking someone to build them an arrow jeremy kind of specializes in the 204 diameter shafts and i wanted to talk to him a lot about that because if you guys have heard exodus does have some new stuff coming down the pipeline and if you've listened to the podcast previously you've heard us kind of harp on a micro diameter shaft and maybe some of the downsides to that a 204 diameter shaft is a really really popular shaft and a lot of folks like to hunt with them or shoot 3d courses with them and i myself hunted with a 204 diameter shaft all season long so i wanted to learn how to make a 204 diameter shaft perform as good as a 246 shaft what do you have to do to the carbon what do you have to do to the build so i wanted to talk to jeremy all about what you get out of a 204 diameter shaft compared to a 166 and a 246 this is one of my favorite podcasts that i have recorded it was nice talking to jeremy uh, he does a really good job of explaining technical ideas in an everyday manner so before we dive into the podcast guys we have a really really exciting announcement exodus and Prime Archery have teamed up to give away an outstanding archery package valued up to $1,800. So you're going to get a Prime RevX of your choice. So a RevX 2, 4, or 6, custom decked out, how whatever colors you want, you build it, and it's part of the giveaway. Also, Exodus is giving away a Rival and SP18 bundle. So that's the new Exodus Rival cell camera and a solar panel to run that camera all year long, as well as a dozen tailor-built Exodus MMT arrows. So you get the bow, you get arrows that are going to shoot perfectly out of that bow, and you get a cell camera and solar panel bundle, all valued up to $1,800. And all you have to do is go to the link in this podcast, enter your name and email address, and you are entered to win. The announcement will come March 14th on the Exodus podcast. The winner will also be notified via email. So all you have to do is go to the link in the description, sign up, and you're entered to win that awesome archery package. With that being said, guys, let's hop into the podcast with Jeremy Martin. All right, everyone. Friday morning here at the long, long Great American Outdoor Show, and I'm sitting down with Jeremy Martin from X-Ring Custom Arrows. How you doing, man? Not too bad. A little uh, worn out and tired from the week. Yeah, it's a Friday of a nine-day show. Right. It's, it gets to be uh, pretty daunting. It's Very much so. Talk Long to days. a lot of people. How's the show going for you so far? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Talking to a lot of folks. Uh, selling some knocks. Um, selling some arrow builds. So it's it's pretty good. So you're here representing Fire Knock. Correct. So if for those of you listening... Jeremy, if you have shot Exodus MMT arrows, there's a really good chance that he is the one that built that arrow. So Jeremy does some of the Exodus MMT arrow builds 
for us, and he is a wizard when it comes <laughs> to building an arrow, especially in the 204 diameter with arrow concept. So today I want to talk a little bit about what you've learned, how you learned it, things that you maybe were like, oh, maybe this will work, and it doesn't work. Um, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Most certainly. And uh, you do things even differently, differently than Dorge does things. Yeah. So I just kind of want to go through your process and get your perspective on what you think results in the best possible arrow for someone. You down for that? Sure. So how long have you been building arrows? Oh, since I was 15. I'm 42, so... A long, long time. Long time. What's that progression look like? Like, what? How did how did your arrow build start to where they are now? Oh, geez. Uh, well, obviously, 15 years ago, or when I was 15, we were shooting uh, aluminum everything, so there wasn't much to it. It's pretty simple. Some hot melting and insert, and some veins that never stuck on, and uh, push on knocks. To to now, we have everything. Aluminum's kind of thing of the past, and Everything is carbon and two-part epoxies and fast-set glues. Uh, so it's come a long ways. Yeah, there's, like, just talking to people here at the show that are still shooting arrows from way back then, and they're looking for components. Oh, yeah. I had a guys come over. They were looking for uh, lighted knocks for a 2019 Game Getter, <laughs> which was, like, a long time ago. So they're still out there shooting them. So And Dorge's perspective mm -hmm. an aluminum arrow shaft is the best possible arrow shaft you can have yes for a very limited amount of time yes so 75 shots or so and then the spine is shot out of the arrow i can't speak to that but i know that you know um a lot of the target archers of the world still shoot a 27 series aluminum eastern shaft yeah you know the vast majority of them do i i would say that's pretty mind-blowing with what we have available to us with with carbon arrow shafts. yeah the carbon technology has come a long way um but still there's guys out there that if it ain't broke don't fix it with a you know that's that's how they make their money and they make their earning and they know that that 27 series aluminum is an absolute uh winning culmination so. yeah yeah it's like Guaranteed straight spine. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I wish we could do that with a carbon arrow and make <laughs> it durable. Yeah. There's 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 processes to make them uh some more durable than others. Um and I think you've been subject to quite a few of that. I think we may have done a test or two while we've been here. Yeah, yeah. So um yeah, the the carbon technology's come a long way. Back in the day when carbon f first came along, they were absolutely horrendous. You know, you'd get them and it, they wouldn't last very long at all. You hit something and they would just, you know, explode everywhere. So now they've come a long ways. Um, and I still think there's some ways to go. Uh, so we'll see here in the next couple of years how that, how that pans out. Yeah, I think one of the, the bigger challenges is getting that carbon technology to be durable at a cost-effective price because That's, you can get it durable yep. and you can have a really really strong shaft but who's going to pay four hundred dollars for a dozen arrows right right that's kind of that's kind of the challenge so i mean what we have with the exodus mmt and what we have with the arrow concept it's right. a really really strong tough shaft they're definitely strong but it's if we were to build that arrow 
in a different diameter, mm-hmm. smaller diameter, it's going to cost us a heck of a lot more money to do that. Most certainly. So Most we certainly. have to explore other options. And like you said, you alluded to, we did some testing and we have, I have in my hand the Exodus MMT two. Well, I shouldn't say MMT. I have the sample 204 diameter shaft that um, Exodus is testing. And we this is not the weaved shaft. This is not the shaft that... Is going. It's not going to look like the original Exodus MMT. Correct. This, we had to do something a little bit different. So let's talk a, a little bit maybe about the benefits to constructing an arrow in this manner okay. and the, the downside to it. Okay. So this is still a layered shaft, correct? Yes. So there's how many layers? Multi-layer, four layers. Four-layer carbon shaft. Now, it doesn't have the weave. So what's what's the benefit to not having a weave? on the shaft of the construction? Uh, benefit to not having a weave is, well, it really depends. It depends on where the weave is at as far as layer-wise. And then a lot of people will put a weave on a shaft and it is just the external outside. It's just the protection. So it's just for, mostly for looks. Sure. You know, they do like a looks thing and uh, kind of protection. Um, so... But if you have a weave shaft like the MMTs and some of the other shafts that are out there that help with um, torsion cancellation of the shaft, so you don't have as much um, torsion av- after you fire the shot. so Which is a pretty big deal. Most certainly. Most Controlling certainly. torsion is something that people are trying to figure out for a long time. Yeah, and, and there there's still a lot, of, a lot of companies that have not got to that point yet so and correct me if i'm wrong but having that weaved portion of the shaft takes a little bit away from the ability for the arrow to recover so it's going to recover a little bit slower because of that weave compared to the construction of this shaft that i have in my hand correct so you take uh, we talk a lot about arrow recovery Mm -hmm. and that being what we want to maximize the potential of the arrow right and like apples to Apples, if you wanted to maximize your recovery only, the weave might not be the best way to go about it. So if you took, we talk about like the 300 diameter shaft being like the quickest recover because it has the smallest wall, the thinnest wall. Yes, the thinnest wall thickness, yep. Then you go to a 204, 246, and it's a little bit slower than the 300. The 204 is a little bit slower than the 246, and the 166 is the slowest recovery time. Correct. Now, if you took a Exodus MMT weaved shaft, take the arrow concept out of it, put a regular insert in it, and shoot a blazer vein, and then shoot an arrow constructed like this next to that, the recovery time on this would be quicker, correct? Yes. So that is kind of the, the I guess, the, a little bit of a negative to having a weave. Now, there's give and take, like you said. There's... It's gonna control the torsion a little bit better, and when it breaks, you're not gonna have carbon splinters. Yeah, you're not gonna have shards everywhere. So that's that's kind of like what we're looking at there. Now with this shaft that I have in my hand, the 204, we're building that a little bit different because we want to maximize the recovery time. So we're giving up the torsion control. Correct. And we're giving up a little bit of. Uh, I don't know if safety is the right word. Maybe uh, longevity. 
There you go. Maybe longevity. There you so go. So if this arrow was nicked and shot and broken, we have arrows here at the show that are constructed like this, that they're broken. We're showing people the difference between how this carbon is constructed and how the weaved arrow is constructed. Now, people want a 204 diameter shaft. They want it cost effective and they want performance. So this is kind of what we're looking at here. Right, right. And it's a, it's the 204 is um, a super, super popular shaft ever since it actually came out. It, it's been uh, a high-profiled arrow. Lots of people use them. Um, and they are super durable, even though they're a little bit smaller diameter. diameter. Um, and people like them for the, the to do the buck the wind kind of thing. It's kind of the happy medium between a 166 and the standard. Uh, you, you've been building 204s for a really long time. Yeah, that's my company started when I started X-ring. That's primarily what I set out to do was work on two. I think my very first build for a customer was a 204. What uh, I guess what drew you to that diameter shaft? To be honest, I was just being a fanboy at the time. You know, I wasn't at the time that I started. It was something new. I like to play a lot with with archery stuff, so I shot them. I really like the way they perform. Um, there are some drawbacks to them, but there are also some positives. And some of the drawbacks that I've seen that I hear feedback from customers is half outserts and durability of the half outsert. So you have the aluminum half outserts, and if you run it through an animal, and you know you glance it off of a off of a rock or something, something like that, you're probably gonna bend a half outsert. Sure, you, you have to have that going in. You have to know that. And then they have the titanium. Titanium's great. The drawback is the money. Yep. You know they're super expensive for twelve small pieces. Is considerable amount of money that takes a a decently affordable arrow build to an outrageous arrow build. <laughs> yeah. And then you have your stainless steel, which offers really good strength, but they're they're super heavy. So I I try to I let all of my customers and everybody that wants to talk about two oh four, those are your you know, your three options. There are some other companies out there that offer some different things. Um so you have to be well aware of what you're getting yourself into. Sure. So educate me a little more and educate everyone on uh like the 204 shafts wall thickness okay and what that does to the arrow okay so the the wall thickness on a 204 is just a little bit heavier than what would be on a 246 so the heavier the wall the more um resonance that you will have in that shaft after your initial shot so it'll take a, a little bit longer to recover so the and that's why as you go down in diameter it gets worse and worse and it takes longer and longer after the shot for that arrow to recover and the the 204 um, arrow concept works really well at minimizing that um obviously not as well as the 246 stuff but the the 204 arrow concept improves that shaft like a bunch yeah I, I can't throw a number to it but you can definitely tell a difference 100 percent. george always says you can get micro diameter shafts to fly like larger diameter shafts are you willing to pay for it 
is, exactly. is the is the caveat there. But right. um, hopefully with the 204 builds that we're shooting for, by eliminating that weave and adding arrow concept, this should fly just like the 246. It's going to, f- they're going to, I think they're going to fly really well. Once we get to, you know, I want to torture test some yeah. and see how they, they react. But I think it'll be a, it'll be a slam dunk. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I shot a 204 diameter all hunting season. Mm-hmm. That's what I hunted with. Uh, it was a weaved 204, right. but just the price. It's just $350 for a dozen arrows right. is something that not the everyday hunter is going to want to put into it. 100%. So uh, hopefully we have a, a more affordable uh, solution to that that's still going to give us the performance that we're looking for because we don't want to sacrifice performance. Definitely not. Definitely right. not. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the customer side of things where you right. take someone, they tell you what they have, and what are some of the things that you have seen people doing wrong coming to you to build your to build their arrows? One of my first questions is I've been I've talked to a few since we've been here via text message and stuff like that. What's their current setup? I always ask what their current setup is. The bow, the arrow that they're shooting, and how they came about that arrow. And 95% of the shooters that I talk to are shooting an underspined arrow. Not by a little bit. I talked to a gentleman yesterday. Uh, what kind of arrow are you shooting? Uh, he was shooting a 5mm Easton, 470 pounds. 29 inch draw wow wow I'm yeah like, that's, that's you're shooting a wet noodle yeah that's you know? severely underspined so before you go too far on that kind of what are, what happens when you shoot an underspined arrow what's the downside to it they are tremendously hard to tune you lose the arrow efficiency is pretty much out the window sure you might as well just throw a rock at a deer you know you have better luck killing it um because all of your all your energy is absorbed by that arrow flexing trying to get going so I, that's a lot of, well, so-and-so shoots. Well, so-and-so might be just perfect to, that it works out. He's right on the edge. You know, he's shooting a 400 spine, but he didn't tell you he's a 25 and a half inch draw. You know? <laughs> There's yeah. a big difference. That's the, the, the length of the arrow in that scenario, the 400 spine makes the arrow really wimpy. It's it a, does. It's a wimpy arrow at that at that Very length. much so. Now, when you cut that down, a 400 spine, like you said, that's a 26-inch arrow. Right. It's a tougher arrow well, certainly. than a 29-inch arrow at a 400 spine. Just because the amount of deflection mm-hmm. in the arrow on a 28-inch shaft when they measure, it's the same. When it's extended to 32, 31, mm-hmm. 29 inches, you have a really wimpy arrow at that point. And like you said, it has to work really, really hard to stabilize, and all your energy has gone. It's gone. So... That is that's one mistake. Shooting an underspined arrow. Mm-hmm. What what else are you seeing? Uh, shooting an arrow that's uh, too short. Okay. I had guys that they'd send me pictures of. You know, they run their half outsert or their their insert like right up to the edge of their you know the rest. So they're you know they're they're super short if they ever get any kind of overdraw you know if they yank a little harder because there's a you know 180 standing in front of them you know it goes 
through the rest and then God only knows where it end up through your hand or so I get a lot of short and I get a got a lot of guys that like them super long. I can kind of understand a super long because they want the broadheads. You know, a lot of the um, fixed blade guys like them long, keep them out past their fingers, and that's cool. Um, but but so what is the right length? Um, the way I normally do it, and I believe we've all talked about this. You know, all the Exodus guys, myself. You know, a whole bunch of us was in on this conversation. I usually take your, uh, depending on the shaft, if we're going with a micro or a 204, I go, I leave you a little bit long. Um, but I normally do one inch, minus one inch of your draw length. Okay. Uh, on the... Carbon that, to carbon length? Carbon to carbon length. Okay. Is, is one inch short of your draw length. Now, on the uh, 204 stuff and the 166 stuff that require stuff on the outside of the shaft... I usually do three quarter, okay, to to give you a little bit more wiggle room, um, and honestly, you could probably go further than that. You know, the magic number, the node, and all that stuff is is uh, hugely dependent on where that arrow needs to sit. We're just taking the best stab at it with the arrow concept. It makes it takes it from a finite point to a broadened, uh, so that makes it a lot easier on us arrow builders to 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 work with. I would say in my experience with shooting the arrows and trying to find the node of the arrow, being too long is probably the worst that yes. you could do in that, in that sense, from a reaction sense from the launch point of the arrow. Being too long will give you that deviation in launch that right. you don't want. Because you have that node or the null point or whatever you want to call it that doesn't flex, mm -hmm. and that's where we're trying to get you to release the arrow from. Because if you have torque in your hand one way or you have more facial pressure one way or you release the bow in a different way, the arrow reacts differently mm -hmm. when you shoot that. So if it's launched from a point that doesn't react, you don't have deviation in your shot down range. Correct. So if you have it too long and you're up, you're up in the arrow where it's going to flex around when you shoot it, it's not always going to flex the same way at launch. So that's, I guess that's in my experience with things is that's what you don't want right now too short you have you're closer to the node you can be closer to the node or the null point or on the insert or wherever where it's not going to flex but then you have the downside to number one you're losing mass because you don't have the extra length yeah. of the arrow correct and number two you slice your finger off when you shoot the bow <laughs> right <laughs> which is a bad deal. that's a bad day I, I have to imagine that a lot of people that come to you are also, um, hey, Jeremy, I'm shooting 27 inches, I'm shooting 60 pounds, and uh, I want to shoot 19% uh, FOC in the front of the arrow shaft. What do you say to that person? I've never in my seven years of being in business for a customer gave them their FOC. You know why? Why? Because I don't calculate it. All right. So what's the goal? What What's <laughs> a balanced arrow? I don't, me personally, my opinion, I know there's people out there that'll hate me and try and kick me up and down the alley, but I don't believe in that super high FOC. I mean, maybe if I was shooting a, a stick and string, you know, at 60 pounds, then it's a, a big deal. But modern technology, um, I don't think there's a real big reason in it and you know that 
that became kind of a thing that I always listened for when I, I listen to podcasts all the time. Um, and I hone in big time whenever they start talking about arrows and arrow weights. Um, there's some really famous people out there that shoot some really, really light arrows for hunting, yeah. like sub 400 and they're big guys and they don't have a problem killing anything. Right. So yeah. to each his own. To, to an extent, but our goal, we want people to shoot the best thing possible for them, right? So right, if they 100%. come If they come to you and they're like, Jeremy, I want to shoot a 19% FOC, and you're like, well, how about you just shoot this, and I right. build it to you? Have you ever had someone like come back to you and be like, no, I want a heavier? Yes, I have. I've yeah. had several. I, well, I shouldn't say several. There's been a couple that, you know, I'd say, hey, just try mine out. If you don't like them, you get a full refund. I'm going to give you your money back. I'm not going to be that person. And they're like, nope, I don't believe in it. So it's one of those people that, you know, you get those folks that are dead set on this is the way it is. Nobody's going to change my mind. Yeah. In that case, you know, you're going to have to find somebody to build you a, build you a 19, F, 19% FOC arrow. Sure. Because I probably won't be the one doing it. Okay. So um, speaking of... FOC in front of center and everything that we're educating people on mm-hmm. with the podcast and our YouTube channel, uh, we also are promoting arrow concept. Right. And you'll get people that say, well, you say you're not promoting front of, weight front of center, but you're putting another shaft in the front part of the arrow. Right. Isn't that going to increase your FOC? What's the answer to that? That's a no. <laughs> uh, there's a big difference between shooting... Um, on the 204 stuff, your aero concept tube weighs roughly 24 grains. There's a big difference of putting 24 grains across six inches and an extra 25 grains on your point. You know, it's, it's a super small spot with adding another 25, 50 grains to a point rather than stretching it out. And by stretching it out across that six inches, you're actually moving the balance point of the arrow. Even that and the balance point of the arrow is a very important calculation to the front of center. Yes, it's not you take half of the arrow, how much weight is up front, and half the arrow, how much is weight up back, and that's forward to center, and that, that's not how it's calculated. That's not how it's calculated. The balance point of the arrow matters a whole lot. Yes. And I was just explaining that to someone yesterday, and they're like, well, you're telling me that too much FOC is bad. And I'm like, yes. Like, but you're also telling me that I need to put this extra shaft in the for the front quarter of the shaft. I'm like, yes, but like you said, that weight is distributed a lot further back into the arrow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you do have a heavier front. You do. You don't have a heavier percentage of the weight forward of center. Right. It's a different. It's a different calculation. But arrow concept does a whole lot for your arrow in recovery time the i guess the uh force curve or like the reaction curve of the arrow yes goes from like looking like a bluegill to looking like a walleye right so it's a lot more efficient right with that in the front of the arrow but if that tube weighed i don't know 80 grains or 100 grains what do you think would happen Actually, Firenock has that. Not 80 grains, but they have the, the heavy carbon and the 
light carbon, which we've all tested the light carbon. Uh, I used heavy carbon a few times. And, um, I mean, you can you definitely notice it. Um, I didn't check front of center, but you know it's there. Yeah. You get a, uh, a substantial reduction in speed. Um, your pin gap opens tremendously. Yeah. Uh, so, I the only guys that use those are um, folks that aren't hunting on North America. Yeah. They're and- going across the pond and killing big stuff and in that scenario it's not for uh the recovery time necessarily it's for durability right it's for durability and they're not shooting you know 80 yards possibly at an elk i take it for what it's worth i've seen it done yeah um but you're not going to shoot that far in other places on huge big dangerous game so you're only shooting 20 yards so you don't have to worry about pin drop all right so let let, while we're on this topic Mm -hmm. let's explain uh, let's try to collectively explain what happens to a heavy FOC arrow off the launch of a modern-day compound bow. Like, okay. explain what's happening to the arrow and why it's a bad deal. Well, there's there's a bunch that goes into that. It's not kind of it's not really cut and dry, and we all know that. It's it's kind of complex. Um, you could bump your spine up, help it a little bit. Um, as you bump your spine up, losing speed, you've already lost speed with, you know, shooting a 200 grain point or whatever you're shooting. Well, hold on. Let me let me oh. play the devil's advocate okay. here. Okay. Okay. So, Archer's Paradox. Oh, boy. We're trying to decrease flex in the arrow. Right. We're trying to get it to recover faster. By bumping up my spine, mm-hmm. I'll have a less reactive arrow, right? Right. So, why would I lose speed? <laughs> Because it's heavier, one, you know, and your arrow is just not as efficient. It's like, it's hard to explain, but it'd be like um, shooting a super heavy spined arrow. There's, the arrow can't flex, so it's not able to get work complete. I guess that's, that's kind of how I would say that. So you don't know where that arrow is going. It, it can't stabilize itself fast enough. So it left, right, high, low, where if as you get down into, into the spine you need to be, it gets leveled out and it gets flying in correct motion where veins take over and, you know, all that good stuff. So heavy spine is not the answer. You also have to put a whole lot more work into the tune of the bow Right. To get that arrow to perform. And then if you take the bow out of spec, the bow lost efficiency. Right. Just because you're trying to shoot too heavy right. of a spine. Like you, Chad uh, shooting 80 pounds in one year, 70 uh, or 29, 30-inch draw, mm-hmm. and he's shooting a micro diameter shaft. And he has to put cam lean in his bow to get that arrow to fly straight. Well, you're losing efficiency when you're introducing cam lean. Most certainly. So that's, uh, I guess that's why arrow concept's a better answer to the recovery than just shooting a stiffer spine. Right. 100%. Wanted to just make that clear. Yes. So go go ahead, move forward with high FOC and the launch high, of the arrow. High FOC and I'm the sorry. launch, the launch, the launch the cycle. So we all know that when you launch, your arrow's falling, 
You know, it's never going up. It's not like a rifle. It's it's going down all the time, 100%. Um, with that heavy FOC, you're out of balance, and you've got, you know, all that weight up front. Your pin gaps open significant, significantly more the more weight you put up front. Sure. Uh, bad idea in my book. Um, I, yeah. I, I assume it's a bad idea in lots of folks' books, but there are guys that like, you know, an 800-grain arrow. When you so when you're talking about modern day compound bows, this is how I think of it. Okay, right. so I think Tyler Terry is the one that explained this to me, so I'm going to give him the credit on this explanation. But that's the gent from out west, right? In Arizona. Yeah. Yep. So smart guy, super smart guy, but he's able to communicate things on a hunting hunting folk basis. Right. So he said, take a five gallon bucket of water. Okay. And you pick it up with your left hand. What does the right side of your body have to do to stabilize the left side of you? Right. It has to work really hard to pick the left side up. Right. That's a high FOC arrow. The back of the arrow has to work really hard to match the front of the arrow. So you're losing a whole lot more energy with a with a compound bow, with a high let off compound bow. That's the that's the ticket to it because your draw curve is not like a recurve where you have constant force applied to that arrow. You have 85% let off, you release the bow, and you have a jolt of right. energy put into the back of the arrow. Where the front's really heavy, the back's super light, so where's the arrow going to move? Right. It's going to move in the back. Mm-hmm. So you put a uh, lighted knock on the back of your arrow, and you shoot it in slow motion with high FOC, and the front of the arrow is supposed to pull the back of the arrow with it, but the back of the arrow has to work really hard to stabilize to be able to pull, be able to be pulled straight. Right. So back to the five gallon bucket example. Put a five gallon bucket in your left hand and put a five gallon bucket in your right hand. Now walk. Your body Much doesn't easier. have to work as hard to stabilize one of the other. Right. So that is kind of, sorry for the squeaky wheels here. We got people oh, bringing yeah. in stands. A whole bunch of summit tree stands rolling yeah. down the road. But that's kind of the easiest way for me to think about that scenario is. And that's I, a super good analogy. It's it's a great one. Yeah, it's, it's kind of puts things into, into perspective because it's something you can experience. We can't see what's happening to the arrow. It's happening so fast that we can't see it right. happening. So, um, and then you take a modern day compound bow and versus a traditional bow the way a modern day compound bow is designed is to be is to outperform the next bow at ibo ratings right so you have a v3x matthews v3x right you have a hoyt rx7 right they are competing for each other they're competing for your and i's money through yeah. I, through ibo's rating right it's a 350 grain arrow Five or five grains per pound of draw weight. Correct. They build those bows to be the best performing with that arrow. Right. As you move away from that point, you're losing. So, uh, Mark Hayes, the Matthews engineer, mm-hmm. told me about a study they did, and I do have some more questions for him on this, just to be clear. But he said they took a 400 grain arrow and a 600-grain arrow, 
and they shot the Matthews V3X. And it's an 88-point-whatever-efficient bow at IBO ratings. Okay. When you went to 600 grains versus the 400, you gained 6% energy. Okay. Which is good. You're gaining energy. That's fantastic. You lost 27% of your trajectory. No, thanks. That's bad. Yes. So for some folks, that may not matter if you're shooting 10 yards max range you don't have to worry about misjudging an animal you're gonna bust them right right but uh the downside of that is if you are extending your effective range you want more opportunities uh you misjudge a deer by three yards because you lost 27 percent of your trajectory right it's gonna it's gonna be a bad day that's your plan b your plan b missed right so um i guess there's the argument where I guess at least you didn't wound the animal, you missed the animal, but you lo- you missed your opportunity regardless. Right. So um, that kind of put things into perspective to me. Now, I wonder in that testing, what yardage was that metric? Mm-hmm. Like, was it from release? Was it from 20 yards? Was it from 60 yards? I, I do wonder that a little bit. So I, I don't have the answer to that, but it puts things into perspective too. Like everyone listening to this podcast you have to give me $27. I'm only going to give you six of it back. Right. Is that a fair deal? Is that, that a fair trade-off? Definitely something that I'm not willing to do. Yeah. So just another kind of analogy to think about on the uh, the efficiency of a bow. You do that same test with a trad bow, you're going to get f- like total polar opposite results. Polar opposite. Because you have a bow that starts out already so inefficient. So as you add and as you add mass weight to that, you pick up a ton, a ton of energy, yeah. which is good. That's why trad bows in that scenario, like that's why the information out there is phenomenal information for traditional archery. Yes. Everything changes when you put I it do agree with into that, a compound 100%. bow. Uh, since we're talking about other folks and I cannot remember the guy's name, he owns a he owns or works for a camo company and he did a very well done video joe miles on youtube joe over miles. over the weight yeah. of an arrow and distance and penetration and all that it's phenomenal video yeah it it kind of puts things i mean uh joel maxfield's doing all the testing too okay um there's a lot of testing out there that's kind of going against the grain so to speak i mean the light and fast was really popular mm-hmm. and then it got heavy and then people are starting to go back to light and fast so right. for me i did i went super heavy i went to a 650 grain arrow but brother i'm 27 and a half inch draw <laughs> shooting 60 pounds like yeah. my i could my uh sight tape maxed out at 60 yards right you could probably throw the arrow faster than you can shoot it out of your bow. Yeah, it's a that's not what I'm looking for. Like right. we have the capabilities to be shooting over 300 feet per second. Right. Why aren't we doing it? Right. It's, I had uh, you know, I've been as high. I don't think I ever got up to 600 grains. Uh the heaviest I got and that was during testing uh some arrows. I was at five just to take over 500 at 28 and a half inch draw. Um super super slow. Um like you said sight tapes you know, 50 yards, 60 yards, and it's, you're praying that that deer doesn't take a step. That's the thing. You you hunt out west. Yes. You well, have a, 
I call it camping with a bow. But. <laughs> well, you've you've had some success out there. It depends on what you call success. Getting in, you're getting on animals. Yes, yeah. We 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 were on some animals last year. Not all elk. We we got into some bears. Got into some mule deer. Um, had a blast. But yeah, in but, a hunting scenario like that, where you have an animal that can easily go from twenty to fifty yards in a jolt. Oh yeah. The uh, the your pin gap is important. Very important. So very important. But it's not just for. It's not just for out west. Here's a scenario. Um, it's well, say you have a deer, you draw back, and the deer sees you draw back, and he spooks and takes five steps and looks back at you. Right. Well, when you drew back, he's no longer at thirty yards. He's at forty-five. Right. If you aim for the top of the lungs with a four hundred and forty grain arrow, you smoke him. Right. If you aim for the top of the lungs with a six hundred and forty grain arrow. You missed him. You missed him. You shot him in the kneecap. That's about as easy as I can make it, you know? Right. Um, now, most people, would they might just say, well, I wouldn't take the shot. Well, that's great, too. That's good. I am not a good enough hunter to get that opportunity again. Right. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe those guys are just such good hunters that if they miss an opportunity, it's no big deal. They'll get another deer within 10 yards of them. Right. I don't know. So let's go back to... Um, your experience with consumers and um, them asking you what what's the one, one of the most common wants of one of your consumers where someone's like you know I bought these arrows from Bass Pro Shops and I've been shooting them for the last year but I want something better when they say better what are they trying to get a lot of customers they want better but they don't want to pay for better yeah you know, that that's the big that's the number one thing, you know, I want a better arrow. Well, define to me what is better. Because yeah. better to me means more efficiency, you know, flatter trajectory. Price tag is very low on that list. Yep. You know, we're spending piles and piles of money on these bows. But we want to go to Bass Pro Shop and buy a $60 dozen arrows and expect them to shoot, you know, stack quarters at 60 yards with Levi Morgan. Yeah. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. So... Um, that's probably the biggest thing that I've ever come across. I want something that works phenomenal, but I wanted it, you know, uh, budget price. Sure. It just can't happen. Yeah. You, there's a give and take. There's a give well, and certainly. take with everything. But so when they say better, George always says like, there's no best, right? There's no, like if you want to drive 80 miles an hour down the highway, you don't buy a pickup truck. Right. So when they say like, what what are people looking to get out of their arrows? Is it better penetration? Is it better flight? Like, what is their priority list? The, I think that's a divided a divided field, and it's fairly equal. Some people want a lot more penetration. Some people just want a faster arrow. Um, some people, all they care about is whenever I go stump shooting out west, I get a lot of this. I don't know why you'd shoot a damn tree stump, but okay. Um, <laughs> When I shoot tree stumps, I want to be able to pull my arrow out and shoot it again. All right, well, your best choice is to not shoot a 166. <laughs> yeah. And that's the first arrow they ask about. I'm like, no. Like, if you want to shoot stumps, you better shoot a, two, a 246 and then hope and pray everything works out for you. Yeah. And why, shoot- though? Why, why is the 166 the worst option for that? Is it because of the components or is it because of the arrow? Both. Okay. Both. I mean, components, it's an outsert. You know, that's all that's there. On, on the conventional, unless you're shooting like a deep six, which we'll not even get into that shipwreck. 
But uh, yeah, the out search, full out search, just you know that just doesn't comply with you know that style of uh, shooting. And the efficiency, you know, it takes it takes a little bit more work to get them to go um, properly. But isn't it, the isn't the idea of the wall thickness that it's going to be a more durable arrow? You can say that, I guess, but that's you got to weigh everything out whenever you say, yeah, it's got a thicker wall. Okay, it does, but. Where does your efficiency go? At the launch cycle, you've got that much more tier, more material that you have to c- control, um, and it takes that much longer. So, you know, by the time you get to forty yards, you've done lost so much power. Is it really worth it? Yeah, and to be that durable or to be that small a diameter? How long is it taking to a one six six? I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but how long is it taking it to recover out of the bow? 20 yards? I don't know that number. I don't, I'm, like, I tell everybody that I talk to, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm a mechanic by trade. I deal with numbers all the time, but I refer to the book a lot. Um, I know it's too long. Yeah. I th- Definitely I too long for me. I want to say it's somewhere like 19 to 20 yards or 21 yards or something right. before that arrow um, hits the tight elliptical spin. Right. And that's the point at which the arrow stabilizes. If you hit something before that, the arrow's doing all kinds of wonky things right. as you're trying to penetrate at the same time. Right. So you're going to need to use a lot more force to penetrate when it's doing all types of wonky things. Because, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but the easiest penetration is going to be perpendicular to the target. 100%. If you're angled at any way for that impact point, it's going to require more energy from the arrow to get through it. Correct. So you want a stabilized arrow before you get to the point of impact. Most certainly. So that's another thing to consider too, <clears throat> which when you have, uh, let's just say, a 166 that's you impact. And I'm going to use 10 yards because I, I'm sure that it's not recovered by then. And it hits at a 10-degree angle or, say, 3-degree angle. And then animal wheels off the animal has more potential and that arrow has more potential to just snap off because it's not impacting straight through. Right. It's hitting at an angle. You deflect off a rib or whatever you do and the deer runs off and snaps your arrow. And another thing, just by you were sitting there using your hand as a reference of the animal. And if you just think about it, if that arrow is, if you shot that deer or that animal dead broadside, but you're at 10 yards and that arrow's like this. Right. But the deer's still broadside. How's that arrow, or how's that broadhead cutting? Yeah, the impact points. Where, it's like a quartering two shot at yes. that point. And the the efficiency of your broadhead kind of goes out the window at that point. You know, because it's not going straight through the animal. Now it's going through, you know, at a certain degree. Yep. And it's not cutting the way that it's meant to cut. So you're losing penetration. They always talk penetration, penetration with a 166. Yeah. Well, the hole that you're going through is at least an inch an inch big. Yeah. So I could shoot a 300. And believe me, I've got arrows built right now that are a 300 ID, a crossbow bolt, That's uh, a, yeah. you know, a target shaft. I'm playing with them. I might hunt with them this year just to play Here, devil's advocate. Here's something I haven't thought of, but it's interesting. When everyone talks about wind resistance right. for shaft diameter, 
crossbow bolts are 300. Right. And you're shooting one-inch groups at 100 yards. Right. Like, what? <clears throat> so, the... You know, does does the diameter have anything to do with it? I can't say yes or no, but I know what does have a huge effect on the column of air that is dis- disturbed uh, when an arrow is in flight. That's the vein. The vein and the broadhead. Yes. Whichever is the bigger fan. I mean, you're dis- uh, there's some veins out there that is like throwing a basketball through the air just by the vein. Yep. Don't care what shaft you're shooting. But if you're throwing a basketball in a 20-mile-an-hour crosswind, you're not throwing it straight, you know. And there's other veins out there that get all the way down to, you know, smaller than a baseball. So you just need to you need to pick wisely and you need to do research and, and debunk a lot of that stuff that, you know, that you sometimes hear. Yeah, you can't take everything for what it's worth. We talk about the whatever has the bigger profile. And you talked mentioned the broadhead and penetrating through the animal. When you're shooting through the air, you're penetrating the air. Correct. So it's the same analogy where you have the animal, broadhead creates the hole, the hole, the arrow follows through that hole. The broadhead or the veins are creating a wind tunnel through the air, and that is what's determining how much air is being displaced. Right. It's not the shaft. Right. So, and last thing on this. If your arrow is flexing like crazy, it's not just the profile of the vein where it's at. It's the flexion. It's, it's the entire mm-hmm. range that the vein is touching right. that's being disturbed. So right. if you have an arrow that flies a lot, the flex profile is a lot smaller, mm-hmm. you're disturbing less wind. Correct. So that's just something to, to think yeah. about. I know we beat this stuff to death. It's a dead horse, but... We have to talk about it because there's always the naysayers. Yeah. And I we could sit on here for the next three hours and just have a BS session. You know, we probably hear in about 25 minutes, we won't be able to hear each other think because it'll be so loud in here. But, you know, I think it's good to get on here with anybody, you know, anybody that's in the aero industry and pick their brain. So we get a, a, a vast collection of ideas that way we can all come to this consensus together yeah i I mean honestly i I wish i I wish i almost wish we weren't in a point where we had to do this like i wish every aero manufacturer was talking about this stuff i wish like everyone i mean everyone does what want what's best for their consumers nobody wants a consumer to take their arrow and shoot it and it not be good right because then they aren't repeat customers but if you aren't educated yourself on what is best for consumers, then you might be selling something to someone that does work. Right. It does, but is it optimal? Right. That's the that's where we're trying to get. Like we want. I wish everybody was pushing the same thing. Right. And then you just bought something based off of who you liked more. You right. know what I mean, or whatever power of branding, or however you want to call it. But I just. The information that's out there gets construed, and there's there's this way to do it. There's this way to do it. There's this way to do it. At the end of the day, we just want everyone to have the best possible experience. That's flat Most out. Most certainly. It. Most certainly. Well, I guess we got folks coming in here, and uh, it's going to get a little bit louder in here. Do you have any concluding remarks? Is there anything that you were just like, oh, this is something you wanted to talk about, and we didn't touch it, okay. so we'll leave it here. 
I want, I'm coming to the booth. Hi, Jeremy. I want to buy some arrows from you. What is the straightness of these bad boys? I don't really care about straightness. Why? Um, well, your arrow off a launch, it's going to flex about 250 thousandths. What makes you think six thousandths is going to be, you know, six thousandths is the thickness of two hairs on your head. Yeah. Um, so what makes you think that's going to affect flight whenever that arrow is already flexing a quarter inch? Yeah. And, you know, there's there's conversations that have been had that specific people have won tournaments with some super not straight, in quotation marks, arrows, you know, like 10, 12,000 straightness. And they're winning um, pro open tournaments. So I just don't think it's that big a deal. Some guys are fixed on it. And if they're willing to pay an extra 40 bucks for a darn sorting process so be it but it's yeah. not it's not of very much importance yeah because at the end of the day the build matters more than the straightness of the arrow because you could take a point zero 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 straightness arrow and screw it all up oh 100 it'll fly way worse than a point zero zero six that's built correctly um i don't know if i can do this but i'm going to because i really don't yeah. care um we can go to any local bow shop here in Harrisburg, I don't care, and pick up a set of uh, gold tip pro hunters. 1,000 straightness, supposed to be the cat's meow for an arrow, right? And they come in a box, and they got nice veins on them and nice knocks. And then I'll go down to the Lancaster booth down here, and I'll buy the cheapest arrow they got. Well, maybe not the cheapest arrow they got, but I'll buy Black Eagle Outlaws. 5,000 straightness, and I guarantee you my 5,000 straightness arrow, when I'm done, is going to shoot better than anything out of a box. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's more about the build. All about the, the build. Yep. Well, I think uh, I think that's good. I think that's a good place to leave off with it. Thank you yeah. for sitting down with me. Thank, Thank you, you for everything that you've done for us at Exodus with building the arrows. If you don't like your arrows, guys, I'm sorry. Jeremy's the one to blame. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me a call. <laughs> no, but if you're looking for um, something other than what we have to offer as well, make sure you guys are hitting Jeremy up to build you some arrows if you're dead set on a, a 166 shaft or <laughs> you want um, purple veins and a wrap on your arrow. Hit Jeremy up. He's, he's Did you say wrap? Yeah. I don't do raps. Oh, well, I guess raps you're out there. Yeah. I guess you're out there. Well, uh, where can people find you if they're looking for you? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, you know, the normal there. And then I just, uh, within the past couple months, we started the website up and running. It's still got some kinks and hiccups that we got to work out, but it's uh, just xringarrows.com. You know, it's kind of a little bit of e-commerce, a little bit of educational. And uh, since I'm new to technology, I'm definitely an anti-tech guy. Uh I let some other folks take care of it. So we work out the kinks and we it, it'll slowly get stronger and more efficient. So. Sure. Well, guys, check it out. Thank you, Jeremy. Let's have a good show today. A couple more days to go. A few more days to go, I should That's say. Right. And uh, let's start shooting some good arrows. Yeah, man.